In 2020, three countries are planning to send separate missions to Mars. The US, China, and the UAE. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines, and I'm your host, Sohail Akram. And this week, we're looking at how a small but an ambitious country in the Middle East is launching a mission to the Red Planet. In July 2020, UAE's Hope Probe will blast off from Japan to study Mars. The best conditions to launch a mission to Mars occur every 26 months. The flight is around 60 million kilometers. To put that into perspective, that's equivalent of going around the Earth 4,700 times. But that's still significantly shorter than when Mars is furthest away from us. That distance is a rather intimidating 400 million kilometers. The window of opportunity is narrow. The liftoff must happen when Earth and Mars are closest. And that window closes on August 3rd. It has already been delayed because of bad weather at the launch site on Japan's Tanegashima Island. If the launch does take place, the probe would reach Mars in 2021, a significant year for the country when it will be celebrating 50 years of its formation. Once at its destination, what is the whole probe going to discover? Mohsin Al-Alwahdi is the mission systems engineer at Dubai's Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center, or MBRSC, and has been closely involved in the whole project. If we look at the previous Mars missions, um, there is no project or no mission that has provided the holistic view of Mars or the Martian atmosphere. And this was one of the requirements that we got from the government is we want you to go to Mars, but not repeat what has been done. But we need to deliver something to the science community. We have to do something new. So what the EMM hope will be doing is um, bringing that holistic uh, view of the Martian atmosphere. Sarvat Nasser, a senior reporter at The National who has been covering the mission, elaborates. So the Hope Probe aims to study the relationship between the upper and lower atmosphere. Specifically, it's going to study why certain gases are leaking from the atmosphere, which is causing the thinning of, of the Martian atmosphere. Now, it, the overall aim is to study how life stopped existing on Mars. NASA has actually discovered signs of life on the planet that existed before the whole probe is going to be placed on a much higher altitude than other similar missions that have gone to Mars, which is going to give a holistic picture of the planet, helping scientists study why gases are leaking from the atmosphere. The whole probe weighs 1,350 kilograms and is the size of a small car. It's equipped to collect the information and relate back to Earth, powered by two solar panels. The probe has three scientific instruments that will help study the atmosphere of the planet. The first one is the exploration imager. That's a high-resolution camera that can take pictures of the atmosphere. Um, The second one is going to be the infrared spectrometer. This is going to be measuring the dust, ice clouds, water vapor, and temperature profile of the atmosphere. And the third one is the ultraviolet spectrometer, which is going to be measuring changes in the thermosphere and uh, the structure of the hydrogen and oxygen around the planet. Also, the ultraviolet emissions of hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon monoxide in the atmosphere. So when these three instruments capture all of this data, it's going to be sending it back to the ground station, uh, to the Mohammed bin Rashid headquarters here in Dubai. And it's going to be shared to over 200 research centers around the world. And it will be available to researchers, students, and anyone else really who is going to, who is interested in learning about the planet. 
the MBRSC in Dubai will be communicating with the probe. The first command goes from the Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center. It travels through the deep space network, and that goes to the Hope probe. There's going to be about a 15 to 20 minute delay for that to get to the Hope probe. And there's another 15 to 20 minute delay for the uh, message to be received back in the UAE because of the distance and the time difference between Earth and Mars. The information from Mars is communicating to the deep space network in Spain. From there, the data goes back to the MBRSC headquarters in Dubai. The Hope probe is the UAE's first Mars mission. And getting to this point has been quite a journey. So the project was first announced in 2014, and then a group of engineers started working on it, but the UAE does not have the proper infrastructure to build a spacecraft of that measure, and nor do they have previous experience. This is UAE's first deep space mission. So they worked with three U.S. universities. The collaboration for the UAE was an essential part of the process. Here's Mohsin al-Alwahdi. The academic partners that we have in the United States are three universities, with the main one being University of Colorado and Boulder. The idea, again, was the knowledge, the key key goal and objectives of this mission was knowledge transfer. Um, and for us to be able to do that, we had to partner with academic partners, basically, so they can actually teach us. It was like us going back to school. They would teach us what it takes to build such thing. And then they would give us ownership to start and go ahead and implement what we have learned. And then they would review us and tell us what we did right, what needs to be fixed. And we, we damaged some stuff throughout the journey that we are here today. There are some stuff that we had to break, um, not intentionally, but the process of learning. That is on the, the spacecraft side. And when it came to the launch side of it, uh, we are partnering with uh, Mitsubishi Heavy Industry, MHI, that's providing us the launch vehicle H2A that will be taking us from Earth to the orbit of Earth and then on its way to Mars trajectory. Despite all the best planning and procedures, Mohsen says some challenges could not have been foreseen when this journey began back in 2014. About three months ago, the COVID-19, that was another challenge that we did not foresee. Um, we had to ship the spacecraft to Japan, and that changed all the plans that we had planned for previously. And again, I mean, with the challenges is not stopping. After we launch, we still have a lot of more challenges. Sarvat Nasser explains the race the team had to face to get the probe to Japan on time. So they shipped the probe and a small group of engineers there uh, ahead of time. They arrived there early April, and it was quite a mission. It was an 83-hour journey just to get from the UAE to Japan because they first had to put the spacecraft into a special container that controls the environment inside the container just so the spacecraft does not get exposed to any outside bacteria and it's protected. Once it arrived at the airport, they had to put it inside the world's largest cargo aircraft. It's a Russian aircraft that used to be used back in the Soviet days. There's only a few of them left, and the UAE um, was able to use one to ship the probe to Japan. Once it arrived in Japan, um, a team that was already stationed in Tanigashima actually picked up the probe. Now, these engineers had already spent 15 days in quarantine. They were sent ahead of the probe just so they can come out in time 
after their mandatory 15-day quarantine to pick the probe up and start working on it. And then it was taken on a truck to a city just about a couple of hours away from Tanegashima. It was then placed on a ship, and then it was brought to the Tanegashima Space Center. The HOPE mission to Mars is a major milestone in the UAE's space program, but it's not the first. On September 25, 2019, Haza al-Mansuri became the first Emirati man to go to space. The mission took off from Baikonur, a Russian cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. Sarvat was there for the launch. She also visited the Japanese launch site, where the Mars probe will be taking off. So the Tanegashima Space Center, it's quite it's a complicated place to go to. I don't think it's very popular right now, but it is considered as one of the mo- one of the world's most beautiful launch sites, only because it has uh, you know very lush green mountains. It's surrounded by the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the weather there usually is really good, but of course it's the rain it's the rainy season right now. So that's why the island is getting a lot of rain. I mean, I would call it a rocket island. You know, people over there, space, I guess, is kind of their lifestyle because they've they've been seeing rockets launching from there for 52 years. So it's quite an interesting place. It's very different to Baikonur. I went there twice already to Baikonur for rocket launches, and that's a desert. So getting there is complicated as well. Uh, It's not as picturesque but definitely has more history than Tanegashima because it is, Baikonur is the oldest spaceport in the world. The United Arab Emirates has committed to investing in space and as a result, investing in its people and its future. Mohsen explains what the whole probe means for the country. The big goal, the main goal is reaching Mars, but the goal itself, the objectives behind this mission is beyond that. It's basically the knowledge transfer that the team will be getting or already got at this point for the engineers and the scientists. To have this knowledge transferred to the UAE um, is a big, uh, big, big goal of this mission. And then for the next generation and the youth of this country and the region to see that there is nothing impossible. Um, Mars's heart going to do deep space on itself is not easy. Uh, a country like UAE, less than 50 years, it's able to achieve it. So that is what the hope is and that was the name of the project hope um, to bring this into the country and to, to the region as well the emirates has set itself some steep learning curves in march 2019 arab countries met in abu dhabi and formed a pan-arabic space organization the first project it will undertake is satellite 813 it's named after the year the house of wisdom was founded in baghdad the house of wisdom was a grand library that signaled the dawn of the golden age of islam an explosion of science, culture, and learning that will last 600 centuries and draw knowledge from all over the world. Simon Inks, author and popular historian, says it's not surprising they chose this name. I think it's extremely encouraging that so many Arab states have got together to provide the development, uh, to enable the development of a, a new climate instrument to go into Earth's orbit and that the satellite is going to be called 813, uh, which is a lovely nod to the fact that astronomy begins in the Arab world. The uh, original researches and also the translations of earlier works, the development of the maths and the geometries and the mathematical 
tools necessary to understand the motions of the planets all come from the Arab world. Everything scientifically from the European Renaissance comes from translations of Arab text. And so it's um, a delight to see this recognized and celebrated in a piece of kit that will soon be orbiting the Earth. Sarwat explains the long-term goals of such a collaboration. The Arab Space Cooperation Group was announced uh, a few years ago, and I think that that is a stepping stone towards uh, developing an Arab Space Agency. That would be a similar format to the European Space Agency, where several nations within Europe, and of course Canada, is part of one entity, which is the European Space Agency. And However, that is a long-term goal, and I think there are several factors that need to be considered. I've interviewed Dr. Mohammed Al-Ababi, the Director General of the UAE Space Agency, several times, and he's mentioned that that is the long-term goal of building an Arab Space Agency. There's already 14 countries involved in the cooperation group, and the first project is the 813 satellite. It's really helping the Arab region develop Uh, sort of build their name in space so far since the 60s when the space race was always between Russia and America. Uh, But now you can see the Arab world coming into it with the launch of the first Yuri astronaut, the first mission to Mars that hopefully will take off. Um, And now this sort of stepping stones towards developing the Arab Space Agency. The long-term ambitions of the UAE space program are multifaceted. When the UAE National Space Program was launched in 2017, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, Prime Minister of the UAE and ruler of Dubai, said the UAE space program is a message to the Arab world. The objective was to contribute to humanity through knowledge and scientific discoveries. One of the first proposals was the plan to have a human colony on Mars 100 years later in 2117. Elon Musk, billionaire and founder of SpaceX, believes that his company will have a human on Mars by 2025, with 1 million people living on a colony by 2050. Simon Ings believes the UAE have a better outlook. The UAE is streets ahead of the competition. Their designs on Mars, uh, the, the designs on Mars settlement that have been designed by the UAE, are absolutely top of their game because they've got the time frame right. They're looking at settlement in 100 years. And given the technologies that we have to develop to make settlement possible, the UAE plans are streets ahead in terms of reliability and credibility. So this is a very, very small first step in a much bigger cultural move, a much bigger political process. And I would love to know more. And the UAE a place that has made, you know, the, the, the famous miracle in the desert, some, a, a place that has managed to create a thriving nation state in what is, quite frankly, one of the most inhospitable places on the planet, stepping up and being a, a player in the global commons, trying to understand how the planet can survive the next 100, 500 years, is very exciting. As the UAE looks to the skies, it's fully aware of the Arab world's rich past in space science but the achievements that it has made in such a short amount of time are baffling even for those closest to them. Mohsin tells us about his dreams as a child growing up in the UAE. I think the highest thing I could ever think about was being, the biggest dream, I mean, would have been being a pilot because I had an uncle who was a pilot. Um, That was basically, I think, where we all 
thought we should stop. Like there is no beyond the skies for us, at least in the UAE. And when I first heard about the Mars mission um, and kind of uh, mid-2014, I knew that there is a team that's working on previous satellites. And I know Mars and deep space is 10 times or five times more complex than the low um, Earth orbiters that we've been building previously. But I knew that they know what to do and they have what it takes at a point. And then the partners that they have will for sure help that. But I never even dreamt about being part of this team. And I think this is one message as well from this mission is there is nothing impossible if you set your mind to to it. I think every single person, every single engineer and scientist on this mission would feel the same way. We never thought we would be able to one day work on a mission that is actually going to Mars. So being part of this team is a true, true honor and really proud um, to be able to be part of this big team. The UAE intends to make its mark on a global scale with ambitious space projects that may be the beginning of a new golden era of science and discovery for the Arab world. It's an exciting time for the nation and all those watching. Thanks this week to Sarvat Nasser, Mohsin Al-Alwahdi and Simon Ates. This is Beyond the Headlines. Subscribe to the program by tapping the button on your podcast app. For all the latest on the UAE space program and the Hope Probe launch, visit thenational.ae. We were produced this week by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Sohail Akram. Thanks for listening.